Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, I wonder what your experiences with greed are. Have you ever had an experience with greed? If you've had, if you've had kids before, then I'm sure you've probably seen that in action. I work in a school, so I see it pretty regularly. But I also have some stories from my own life that I thought I'd like to share with you. So when I was younger, probably about nine or ten years old, I used to regularly stay over at my grandma's house. And like many people in her generation, my grandma loves to spend time in her garden. And so when I would stay over, oftentimes we'd spend most of the day out in her garden, mowing the lawn, pulling the weeds, maintaining all of her fruit trees, picking the fruit that have grown. That was one of my favorite parts. She had a lot of different fruit trees. She had peaches, nectarines, plums, apricots, lemons, and my personal favorite at the time, mandarins. I loved mandarins, and my grandma's mandarins were the best. They were so sweet and juicy, and they never had any seeds, which was beautiful. So this one particular day, I spent the day with my grandma, and we were picking all the different fruits, and once we were done, we decided to veg out on mandarins. So we spent the day just grazing on these mandarins, one after another after another. Later on, when it was time for dinner, I'd eaten so many mandarins that I wasn't actually hungry. And so my grandma, being the wonderful grandma that she is, let me have ice cream for dinner with a mandarin. A couple of hours later, I was getting ready for bed, and I started to get this pain in my stomach. And it definitely wasn't a good pain. So my grandma pulls me out of bed. She grabs a bucket. We go into the kitchen where there's lino on the floor for easy cleaning. And sure enough, the pain in my stomach grew and grew and grew until a grossly orange acidic vomit came out of my mouth. My greed led me to be betrayed by my favorite fruit. It took me years before I could stomach the taste of mandarins again. And even now, every time I eat them, I'm reminded of this very traumatic experience. And I can only have one or two at a time if I'm lucky. Safe to say, mandarins are no longer my favorite fruit. Grapes have taken the top spot now. Here's another example for you guys. A lot of us here will be familiar with the great family game Monopoly. Yeah, we all know Monopoly. It's great for bringing families together, right? <laughs> Perhaps it's even better for tearing families apart. <laughs> Funnily enough, I love this game. I always have a great time playing it, and I grew up in a household that was ruthless when it came to Monopoly. The mindset was you had to be fiercely competitive. Dominate, conquer, extort, and destroy. Win at all costs. That was the household I grew up playing Monopoly in. So when it came for me to sit down and play with my wonderfully 
beautiful and gentle girlfriend, Deanna, she was not very impressed. We were playing, and I had a winning position. I could have just let the game play out, and I would have won over time. My lead wasn't going away anytime soon. But in my greed, I extorted an unnecessary deal out of her that strengthened my position even more. And after making this deal with me, Deanna realized what she had done. She stood up quietly, said, I'm not playing anymore, and walked off, leaving me with my piles of money and properties. In my greed, in my quest for more monopoly money and victory, I had lost a happy girlfriend. I had to spend the rest of the day making it up to her. And even now, she still doesn't want to play Monopoly with me. (laughs) But now, these anecdotes, while they're quite silly and inconsequential in the greater scheme of things, I think they, they do a good job of pointing to the negative impacts that greed can have on our lives. And I wonder if you've had any similar experiences. They could be silly and inconsequential, like the ones I've just, just shared, or maybe they could be a little bit more serious. Could be an addiction gone rogue, or perhaps you've gone after something at the expense of something else. I wonder where in your life you've been greedy. Perhaps where you've seen greed playing out in the world. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines greed as a selfish and excessive desire for more of something, more than what we need. And if we're being honest, we see this everywhere in society. When we look around at the world, we, we see greed everywhere. Perhaps most obviously, at least to me, is in corporate greed. Companies and high-ranking executives gathering more and more wealth for themselves while leaving the working-class Joe with just enough cash to get by. We live in a capitalist society where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And at its core, capitalism thrives on greed and the love of money. The narrative that capitalism tells us is that nobody else will look out for you, so you have to look out for yourself, right? It's individualistic. It's focused on the person rather than the community, and as a result, it fosters attitudes of greed and selfishness. I'm gonna stop there before I dig myself into a hole, because I don't wanna push a political agenda here. This is just merely an observation of the world that we live in in our current culture and society. Our current society is great at promoting greed so much so that it even creeps into our churches. And we see this through corrupt church leaders and through false teachings like the prosperity gospel. Greed and the love of money runs rampant in our society. But why? How has greed become so prevalent? What lies at the root of greed? Andrew Lowe, a professor from MIT, had this to say about greed. He says, when we succeed, we feel good. When we gather resources or money, we feel good. And because we feel good, we want more. Because we feel good, we want more. When we we accomplish something, 
when we get something we want or like, such as money, chemicals and pleasure hormones in our brain start getting set off. They fill our brain, fill our bodies, and we start to experience pleasure and happiness. And this is very similar to how addictions are formed. We can get hooked on things such as money through the hit of happiness we get when we see our pay slips come through. That's a great feeling, isn't it? When, we, when it's payday and we see that paycheck come through. Or maybe it's not payday, but we're looking at our bank accounts and they look healthy and substantial, just where we want them to be. I know I feel good when I do that. Not only that, but when we have money, we feel like we're in control. Right? Money gives us a sense of security and power over our life. Like I said before when I was talking about the offering, money is what keeps our society functioning. And so to be a functioning member of society, we need money. And as a result, it's very easy for us to turn to money as our security blanket, right? Even as Christians, we know that we need to rely on God and trust in his provision but sometimes that can be tough to do if our bank accounts aren't as substantial or healthy as we would like them to be. Money has the ability to take deep root in our lives and in our hearts. In biblical terms, this is called idolatry. And greed is a common predecessor to idolatry. The more we want something, the more likely it is to become an idol in our lives. And perhaps, unlike almost anything else, money has the ability to take over our lives and master over us. There's a reason Jesus spends more time teaching about money in the New Testament than he does almost anything else. And this brings us to our Bible passage for today. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is giving a teaching about money, and he drops this bomb of wisdom. Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The root of what Jesus is saying here is that idolatry is incompatible with the Christian way of life. Jesus refers to money here, but really money can be substituted for any other idol in our life. We can say you cannot serve both God and power. You cannot serve both God and sex. You cannot serve both God and your job. You cannot serve both God and insert your choice of idol. When we have idols, when we get greedy for the things of this world, it's easy to get distracted from God. It's easy to forget about what God has promised us through his word, what God has promised to us personally through our prayer life, what he's done for us in the past. And we can get fixated on doing everything ourselves. If things aren't going as well as they could be, we can often go down the train of thought thinking, man, if only I had more of blank, then things might be better. I know I'm guilty of this. I'm definitely guilty of this. 
we can become dependent on ourselves and dependent on our idols rather than on God. Sometimes we even get bitter towards God. As Jesus said, if you love one, you will come to despise the other. Rather than seeing how God is blessing us, it becomes so much easier to see how God is holding us back or how we feel like God isn't providing for us. Some of you may have already made the connection between this idea of idolatry and one of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, you shall not make false idols. I always find it hard talking about the Ten Commandments because I feel like there's a bit of a stigma around them. The Ten Commandments, I feel like, get a bit of a bad rap for just being a bunch of rules for us to follow to earn our place into heaven. But that's not true. What's unique about these sets of rules is that they are God's guidelines to helping us live a fuller, more fulfilled life. God didn't put these commandments in place for his sake, but he put them in place for us. In the case of idolatry, we can sometimes think that, you know, this was written upwards of 2,000 years ago. They're talking about wood and stone and golden statues that they make to worship rather than God. And while that was true for that context, it's just as relevant to us today. While we don't have any physical objects such as golden statues to worship, we definitely still have idols. Things such as money, sex, and power, like I mentioned before, these are the idols of today's society and culture. And the truth of the matter is we were made for worship. Subconsciously, unconsciously, we look to something to worship, to control our lives, to be our master, even if we don't always know it. If you call yourself a Christian in the place, most likely you'd say you worship God. But it's still hard to escape the idolatry. Like I said, it runs rampant in our society. We don't need to look very far to see how the idols of today are worshipped by our culture. Our society has promoted a way of life that tells us to chase after things like wealth and control. You need X, Y, and Z to be happy. And it's pretty easy for these things to get footholds into our life, particularly when they provide us with things such as safety and security. But God knows that there is nothing that we can rely on for fulfillment besides himself. This is why he put that commandment in place. Do not make false idols. Not so you can just worship me, although that is the consequence of that. We do just worship God. But because I am the only one that can fulfill you. That's why that commandment is in place. You can look to money. That's going to let you down. You can look to relationships and power and control, but that's going to let you down. These wooden, stone, golden statues that you worship, they're going to let you down. I am the only one that can't do that. I won't do that. We can have all the money we like, but what happens when we enter a recession? Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, talks about after the, net, after the global financial crisis of 2008, many high-ranking executives committed suicide due to losing large amounts of their wealth and assets. 
Money was their God. They put their everything into their money. So when they lost it, they had nothing. Keller goes on in the book to systematically dissect all the other major idols in our society. It's a great read. If you're a reader and you like reading about theology, I highly recommend you pick up this book, Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller. He has a bunch of other books as well, which I also definitely recommend. The point being, everything in this world is temporary and unreliable. So when it inevitably runs out, or when it lets us down, where can we go? Where are we left to turn to? The answer is that we can turn to God. Whether things of this world, such as money and power, can run dry and are ultimately temporary, God is the never-ending source of fulfillment we need. When we die, what are we left with? Our money isn't going to do us much good when we're dead. Our power isn't going to do us much good when we're dead. But God, He is eternal. Even after we die, God is there. He won't let us down. He is faithful. And as we read through Scripture, as we read through the Bible, we can see God's faithfulness to His people. All through the Old Testament, we see how God consistently reaches out to the Israelites' people for reconciliation, despite their shortcomings, despite their sin, despite their rebellion. God is faithful to them. And all of God's faithfulness came to a climax through Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection shows us how God will always be for us and with us, unlike the things of this world. When Jesus was alive, he was with the people that needed him the most. And when he died on the cross, he made it possible for us to have unfiltered access to God and his Holy Spirit and to receive unconditional love and forgiveness. And to top it off, Jesus rose from the dead, showing that not even death is able to keep God away from us. Where money falls short, where power falls short, where the things of this world fall short, God has demonstrated time and time again through his word that he is able to be trusted. He is the one in which we can place our trust. So what can we do to combat greed and idolatry in our life? Yes, God has proven through Jesus that through him we can be fulfilled and happy. But unfortunately, that isn't always enough to stop us from falling into idolatry. It's helpful to know, and we should know that, but it isn't always practical. In order to fight back against the idols of our culture and our society, we need to behave in a way that is countercultural. And that's, that's exactly what Jesus did. As I mentioned before, society has a heavy focus on the individual, the person. Capitalism is inherently selfish. So, how do we counter this? I'm sure you already know the answer. We look out for the other. We look to our communities and be generous through what we can do for them rather than for ourselves. One of our core values here at the church is radical generosity. We're always looking for ways to be countercultural in that way. How can we 
best benefit our community. Now, there's a reason that Jesus says it is more blessed to give, to give than to receive. There is research to suggest that people who are most generous in their lives have a higher satisfaction in their life. And they are far more optimistic for the future as well. Excuse me. As we are generous, we teach ourselves to trust that through God, everything will work out. As we give away our money to, as we give away our money, the grip that money has over our hearts and over our minds begins to loosen. And we no longer feel compelled to gather and hoard as much as we can, but rather, we get that dopamine hit from giving away rather than taking for ourselves. And so we can get hooked on giving away just as much as we can get hooked on receiving. And as we do that, we are actively putting our faith in God and declaring that He is Lord and Master of our life. Not our money, not our power, not our relationships. Our heart posture can change from one that is worried and anxious to one that is trusting and content and faithful to God. Imagine the freedom that can come from that. Imagine the freedom that comes from not having to worry about how you're going to put how you're going to afford to put food on the table next week, but rather trusting that God will provide less stress, less worry. But then also imagine the good it would have on our community and our world. Imagine if everyone in our community, everyone in our world chose to be generous with what they had. Rather than being greedy and hoarding their wealth for themselves, if all the billionaires and the millionaires in the world chose to bless the world, imagine if they were radically generous. I think the world would be a much better place, don't you? So with all that said, I encourage you, in fact, I challenge you to look for a way this week. How can you be generous? It doesn't have to be with money, but how, maybe with your time or your talents. Every now and again, Josh likes to preach this series, Matters of the Heart, where we talk about the things that are closest to us, in our time, our talents, and our treasures, our money. How can we use these things to benefit our world, benefit our community? How can we be generous? Let's pray. Well, loving God, we thank you that you're a God who is faithful, that you're a God who is loving. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us in the ultimate act of love and generosity that this world has ever seen. God, as we navigate our way through our culture and our society that tells us we need more, we need more. Father, teach us to trust in you and your provision. 
God, help us to be content. Help us to be faithful. God, I pray that as we go out into our weeks, that if there is an opportunity for us to be generous with our time, our talents, or our money, God, that we would jump on that opportunity. And God, may we be blessed through our generosity. So God, be with us this week. Father, protect us and help us to resist greed and idolatry. In your name we pray. Amen.